Guys, my name's Aaron. I'm excited to be here with you. Um, and wasn't it a good week to be an Oregonian, right? Like, we've had, we had Easter last week. We had, um, like, sunny days. And it's like that point where, like, the people who like the rain, so it's kind of cold, but also the people who like the sun, everyone's happy at this moment. And then, like, the blazers, right? Like, come on, that was about time, right? Okay, so we got a chance there. I'm liking that, okay? So, um, yeah, my name's Aaron. I'm excited to talk to you a little bit about what God has been teaching me and learning, what I've been learning over the last few weeks. Um, and so we started this new series called What Makes You Happy? And uh, we're going to be talking about this for the next couple of weeks and just kind of going through about uh, what maybe you think makes you happy, but what actually makes us happy. Now, when I was younger and, and growing up back in the good old days, we didn't have the internet around, you know, and so on a sick day, you know what you'd have to do? You'd have to sit at home and you watch TV. Right? So you got to watch The Price is Right at 10 o'clock a.m. you got to do that, right? Okay? If you didn't know, I was on it a couple weeks ago. You should go check it out. Okay? So, uh, but then after that, it's like soap operas, right? So all afternoon, you're like, I'm not watching soap operas, right? So you know what you do? You find the infomercial, right? That's what I went to. The, in, the commercials, the ads, the, the, the little as-seen-on-TV products, right? The cooker that could that cook a whole chicken in an hour. I don't know why they wanted to cook a whole chicken in an hour, but they could do it, right? Or like there was the little, uh, I remember the little chopper thingy. You could put a whole onion in there and chop it and you wouldn't cry, right? And so I would love these things. I'd be like, why do we not have these in our lives? I bought one of those chopper thingies. It's awesome, okay? Um, but you've seen commercials and, and the most intense ones are the best, right? Like all of a sudden the commercial turns on and it's like dark sounding. Everything's black and white. And just their house is destroyed, right? Like the kids are fighting. There's spaghetti spilled everywhere for some reason. And like there's a dog just chewing on a shoe in the back, right? And you're like, what is going on here? And then all of a sudden it's like that, that clean sound, like doo doo ding. And like all of a sudden the picture turns to color. And they finally have this item, this thing that makes their whole life, their whole family is finally happy, right? And it's just because of that thing. The kids are best friends. The dad's like, he's lost 20 pounds all of a sudden. You know, it's like, this is amazing. The dog is like making pancakes in the back or something. You're like, what is going on? And it's like, because we bought this thing, it made us happy. Right? And that's kind of uh, where we're at in life. Right? We kind of have this idea that if we can just find that thing, what that thing is, that'll fill us, that will make us happy. If I could just buy that, that would be awesome, right? And so we all probably can identify that thing in our lives. Uh, some that I could think of was like, uh, I just need a little bit more money for my job. If I could just get paid a little bit more, then I would be set. Then life would be happy. If I had a better job, right? Like this one's okay, but if I just had that next job, then everything's going to be great, if I had a nicer car or a better home or like the new iPhone, right? Like that, I will finally have made it once I got the newest iPhone. So think about that in your life. What is that, that if I only had this thing, then I would be happy? And what's that thing you think you need in your life? For me right now, it would be like a motorcycle and a puppy. I, really, I think those two things will just solve all my problems, okay, right? And so like I see people driving around, it's finally sunny, and they have a motorcycle. I'm like, those guys have amazing lives, right? Like those guys got it going on, and that's what I want in my life, right? 
And I think just buying, going out and buying a motorcycle, that's all it takes, right? And then I'll have an awesome life, right? And the thing is that, that the, the industry, the companies, they're banking on us doing this. And this is an actual thing, and there's studies done on it called retail therapy. And they say, they say like 60% of people go out and buy things just to make them feel happy, right? They're spending billions of dollars each year making sure that they can point out in your life how bad it is, and then if you just bought this new thing, how better your life would be. And this is something that has been happening for a long time, right? This is something that we all are a part of and that we all kind of get it stuck in because that is what the world is telling us all the time, right? Everyone is talking about it. Everyone is talking about what's that new thing you're getting. Or if you've gotten something new, like, let me see that. Like, check out your new uh, car. Like, that thing's amazing. Or check out the new phone. That thing's awesome. And you're excited about it for a while, and you think that it's going to make you happy, and you finally found that thing. But then after a while, it slowly kind of dies away. Right? People kind of stop talking about it. People aren't as excited for that thing you have. And even you aren't excited anymore. Right? Like, it was cool for a moment, but now, sadly, it's kind of faded. That new thing that you bought is now just something that you own, right? And the thing is, if that thing that you bought slowly fades and doesn't make you happy anymore, it really never made you happy in the first place. It was just some really good marketing strategy that you bought into, right? Like if that thing doesn't sustain happiness, then really what is it? And so this idea of trying to find happiness, to find fulfillment and peace in our lives is something that's been going on forever. This search for, for happiness and fulfillment isn't new. And so we're going to open up our Bibles. If you have the app, you can um, download the Version app in the events section. You're going to see all the verses. We also have them up on screen here. So our first one is out of Genesis 3. Adam and Eve. Right, the very beginning of the world, of creation, of humanity. Uh, these guys were living, and life was going good. They had everything what they wanted. They were living in a garden. They had all the veggies they could eat. All right? And so then, all of a sudden, this story happens in, in Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And the serpent is actually uh, the devil here. All right? And he says, did, and look what he says, talking to Adam and Eve, kind of weird in the first place, right? Did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you'll die. You'll not certainly die, the serpent said uh, to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be more like God, knowing good and evil. And then when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate. And she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he, he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together, and they made uh, coverings for themselves. So what's interesting that I think about this is that when we look at uh, what the devil does here, 
He doesn't go to Adam and Eve and say, like, hey, look how awesome I am. I'm a talking serpent. You should worship me, right? Or I'm better or I'm greater. All the devil does is try to make their focus move off of who God is and what God had for their lives onto themselves, right? The devil made Adam and Eve focus how good it would be for them just to eat the fruit. And then Eve saw that the fruit was good and pleasing to the eye, and that she would obtain wisdom. And so she all of a sudden stopped looking at God and what God had and looked at to her own impulses, right? What's that thing that I think I need? That thing I want to do? And she went after it. She had this decision in her life that pleased her. Even though she probably knew that it was against what God wanted, she did what was best for her, right? All of a sudden, her, if only I had this wisdom, this good fruit, that would make me happy, right? They lost focus on God, and they thought about what they wanted and, what, and didn't think any longer about what God wanted for them, what God had as best for them. And that is what the world is telling us, right? The world can tell us over and over, like, if you want to have your best life, do what you want to do. Do what pleases you. Don't worry about other people as long as it's not hurting them. Uh, just do whatever makes you feel best. Right? That is the, the, the statement the world is making to say, if you want to find happiness in your life, just do whatever you feel like. And this is, again, something that we all deal with. This is uh, another letter written by Paul to the Ephesians, which is like this church, and he's talking to them, and they're new followers of Jesus, so he's trying to like clarify some things and make sure they understand. So he's writing to these guys, and he says this, uh, Ephesians 2. As you were, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in all those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving of wrath. He says, yeah, we've all lived there. We've all been a part of that where we were going after our own cravings and our own desires. Right? We try to let the world tell us how to live, even though the world doesn't know what they're doing. And so since Adam and Eve chose to go against what God had for them, what God desired for their lives, our human tendency now is to move away from God. Right? When we are born, we aren't created to just go like, oh, yes, I love God, but we actually are born in sin. And so we are slowly always, if we are not a follower of Christ, we are moving away from who God is. But this isn't the life that God had for us, right? This isn't the life that God planned for us because this is in, in, in Genesis 3 we saw where Adam and Eve screwed up. But in Genesis 1 and 2, we see that God created us, humans, in a good relationship with him. 
right? That they are walking around in the garden and they're in a perfect relationship with God. And then uh, Adam is on earth by himself and, and, and God sees that that's not good, that he's alone. So he makes a helper and he makes Eve. And he says, it's good for you to be in relationship with one another. And so sometimes we think, ah, oh, we're so messed up. But in, in actuality, we were created in relationship with God and for relationship with one another. So when we're talking about and we're thinking about happiness and how do we find happiness and what does happiness look like in our lives today, we have to go back to the beginning and realize to find happiness, it's not what we own, but it's what relationship are we in? What kind of relationships are we in? Because God created us good and God created us in relationship. And so we're called to focus on those things. The second part of Ephesians where Paul was talking, right? He says, you guys used to live like this. You used to go after your own cravings and your own desires. That's how the world kind of tells you what to do. He says, but now look at this. And this is uh, verse four. But because of God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the uncomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Right? God loves us. And he is rich in mercy. Right? Like that is who God is. That he loves and cares about each and every one of us and everyone, that even though we were messed up and sinners and we were going after our own ways, God says, I want a relationship with you. Right? Like, I want us to restore that relationship that I intended for you to have. And that's what we did last week. Right? We celebrated Easter And that celebration is because Jesus loves us and he cares about us that even though we were sinners, he died for our sins so that we could have a relationship again with him. That we could restore that relationship with God. But when we say yes to Jesus, that should be a life-changing thing that happens in us. Right, not just an acquaintance, not just something like, oh, I, I, yeah, I know Jesus, I know God, I know there's some stuff I need to follow. Right, it's not like I come to Jesus when I'm in need always, but not the other times. Right, but being a follower of Jesus is life changing. And so, if you're someone who said yes to Jesus, it should radically change our lives. Because Jesus calls his followers to a different kind of life. Look at Matthew 6, uh, sorry, Matthew 16, verse 24. Jesus is here talking with his disciples and telling them um, some good things. And he says to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to be saved, or whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's 
glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. You can see how that is so different from the world around us. The world saying, just do what pleases you. And God says, no, no, no. If you really want to be my follower, if you really want true happiness, we're called to deny ourselves. That we are willing to surrender our desires and our thoughts, and we're saying, God, I want to put you first in my life. I want you to lead me in this life. So the question is, is Jesus leading our lives? Right? In the past, we valued our possessions and like our power and, uh, and our uh, possessions, our powers, and everything else that we have, right? Like, I can't remember the word. Uh, but we are always valuing our stuff. But when we come to God and we say yes to Jesus, he's calling us to a new way of living. Jesus is raising the bar because he wants us to be a people who are noticeably different than the world around us. Right? Jesus doesn't call us just to be uh, different on Sunday mornings because you didn't sleep in and you came to church. Right? Jesus calls our whole lives to be radically changed, to be light in the darkness, to be set apart from our world. And not for just being different, to be different, because, but because God has a bigger mission in mind for those who follow him. And that we are on this mission with him. And so if we really want God to be leading our lives, we are called to be dead in our old ways and focus on our relationship with God. Because when we're focusing on our relationship with God and who God is, we start to better understand an accurate picture of how amazing and how glorified and how powerful and how holy and set apart God truly is. And and the more we understand that, the more we understand how valuable our relationship is with God and how that radically should be changing our lives and how we live here on this earth. And with that, that's when we can see a happiness that's different, a happiness that comes from our relationship with God, right? It's an inner sense of peace, an inner sense of rest that comes because we know that we are in this relationship with God and we know that God is in control. This happiness that comes from a relationship with God means no matter what happens to us, No matter the good days or the bad days, we know that the Lord is for us and that God will not abandon us. Right? Because there's going to be struggles and trials and temptations in our lives. Even after we say yes to Jesus, that's still going to be a part of our lives. But the thing we get to say now is rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. This is Paul says this while he's sitting in jail, right? Probably not on the calendar of things to do this week. Is like, hey, I'm really excited going to jail, right? But this is where Paul is, and he goes, you know what? I can still rejoice in the Lord even while I'm in prison because Paul's joy doesn't come from being in or not in prison. It comes from his relationship with God. This deep satisfaction 
this peace and this happiness that is found in the Lord based on our trust in God, not on the things that happen to us. So if you're having a good day or a bad day, it doesn't matter what's happening externally to us, but the joy of the Lord is still available to us always. So the Lord needs to be the source of our joy. Now, another thing, when uh, Jesus is saying to his disciples, what you need to do is deny yourselves, take up your cross and follow after Jesus. Another uh, outcome of that is that when we say we're going to deny ourselves, it also means that we start to put our focus onto other people. Right? That we start to be a, a, a body of Christ that focuses on others. And there's a lot of reasons why we don't like to focus on others. Right? A couple of those could be like, we just don't have the ability to see other people's problems because we're so focused on ourselves. Or maybe we don't want to help other people because they're so different from us or they, they live a different lifestyle. And so you're like, I don't know how I could be uh, helpful to them. Right? Like, I don't know if I could be an assistant into their life. Or we may fear investing in others because it might make us have to change our lifestyle. But when we're in a relationship with God, when we understand who God is, we're going to have this peace with God, and that's going to give us the ability and to allow us to begin to have peace with others. When we start to realize how valuable, valuable others are, how everyone was created in the image of God, then we're going to start to see how we're called to take care of one another. When we deny ourselves and follow Jesus, we become others-centered, right? Looking out for those around us. Philippians 2 says this, uh, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Right? Jesus is on the same level with God because he is God and he has all this power and all this authority and yet he says, you know what? I'm going to come to them. I'm going to, I'm going to lay my life down and I'm going to be a servant. Right? That is mind-blowing to think that God would lay down all that power and, and send himself as Jesus to be a servant among us. And so if that is the mindset of Jesus, then how can that not be the mindset of his followers? Right? That we are called to be servants, to serve those around us. One time Jesus is, is talking with some people and he's going out around and, and this group doesn't really like him. And so they're trying to like trip him up and trick him and, and they don't realize that he's actually God and he's like a smart dude. So they're trying to like trying to stump him, really. And they ask him, what is the greatest commandment, the law or rule that, of, from God that we should follow? 
Back then, there was all these rules that they had to follow, and then they'd add more rules on top of them to make sure you didn't accidentally break those rules. And so they come to Jesus and say, like, what's number one? And Jesus says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. As the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Jesus says, man, if we can figure this out, we'll get it. These simple things. Just love God and love others. Right? It sounds simple, but it's really hard to do that with our lives. But as we put our trust and our faith and our focus on God, he leads us to a peace with God and with others and with ourselves. Oftentimes we think, well, I can either live a happy life and kind of do what I want, or I can be one of these like religious people and follow God. Right? Like the, those two things can't happen together. But God wants us to be happy. Right? That's God's desire for us, to have a peace in our life. And Jesus tells us how we can do that. He says, by loving God and loving others. That's going to bring a peace in your life because we were created to be in a relationship with God and with others. But when we disobey, when we fall away, when we sin, what we're actually doing is resisting happiness that God has for us. The same thing happens in a relationship with a friend or, or someone you know. If there's if sin in between that or if something happens where you guys are fighting or, or you're against each other, all of a sudden that relationship is broken down. And so God calls us and tells us, man, you want peace and happiness in your life? It's a relationship with God and a relationship with others. And Adam and Eve, right, we see when the devil makes them move their focus off of God and onto themselves, God comes to them and says like, hey, you screwed up and you got to leave the garden. All of a sudden, now there's this separation between God and man. And when uh, God comes to Adam and he says like, hey, you guys screwed up, what's up? He goes like, oh, you know what? You should talk to Eve. She was kind of like the one in charge of that thing, like make sure. And Eve's like, well, well, actually there's this talking snake. You should talk to them, right? Like all of a sudden, there's now this separation between each other. And so we see that these two things, the separation between God and the separation with others, destroys and ruins our happiness. And so as followers of Jesus, we need to be aware of where our focus is, right? Because where we put our focus at is the thing that we end up worshiping, right? The thing that we put our time and our attention and our energy on, the thing we're always thinking about, if whatever that is, that's the thing that becomes your God. And sometimes it can seem like a good thing, like your family or your friends or your loved ones. And then we know that there's some bad ones out there too, right? Like lust and greed and power. But no matter what, as soon as we take our, God, our eyes off of God and put anything else above that, we screwed up and we've messed up. So the big question we need to ask ourselves is, where's our focus at right now? Is our focus 
on growing our relationship with God? Is it focused on asking God, what do you have next for me in this life? Are we taking the time in our lives to look at other people around us and, and take care of those around us? Are we serving others? Because when we're when our everything is directed to God, I think he'll provide this, this peace and happiness that the world is searching for. And so I think it'd be amazing this week if you would take some time uh, maybe to get together with your families, right? And just say, what are the, the stresses in our life? What are the things we spend a lot of our time and energy focusing on? Has that somehow become the God that we worship? Or are we focused on who God is. Another thing I do is I have like an app on my phone. It's a prayer app. And twice a day at 12, 10, and 4 o'clock every day, it reminds me, hey, are you praying? Because this life gets so busy and so filled up and things get crazy and it's so easy for me to just start thinking about my own desires. I have these reminders that go, hey, Aaron, where is your thoughts at right now? Where is your focus? Is it still on God through everything? Or maybe it's just finding someone around you. Is there someone that you can just listen to that has some problems that you need to listen to? Or maybe it's just find something and do some random act of kindness. What I love to do is go and get like $10 gift cards to Starbucks and just put them on people's windshields or just like put them in weird places where you know someone's going to find it and they're just going to be like, that was awesome, right? Like that little thing of just taking care of those people around us. Think what could happen here at the Grove if we focused on God and we're growing in our relationship with God and taking those steps every day to grow in that relationship. I think we would come together in community better, right? Like we would start to take, out, take care of each other a little more. And we'd start to grow as a family together here. But also, we would grow in faith as a church to be prepared for what God wants to do through us here at the Grove, right? Because we haven't become followers of God just for ourselves, right, for us. But we become followers of God for what God wants to accomplish through our lives. And so let's take some time to make sure that our eyes are focused on God. Let's go ahead and stand and pray as we continue to worship. Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your time. I thank you so much for your love and your care and that while we were still messed up sinners, you said, I want a relationship with them. I want a relationship with you. Lord, that amazes me that you love me, that you love us that much. That you would willingly send your son to die on the cross because of your love for us. And so, Lord, I pray through the busyness and the stresses of life, our focus often can be swayed to other things that we think is going to fill us with happiness. But, Lord, I pray that we keep our eyes focused on you through it all. In your holy and precious name, amen.